0: Welcome to the Salem Fields Community Church Podcast of The Weekly Message. We hope that you find this podcast personally helpful, and we also encourage you to share the subscription link found at SalemFields.com slash podcast with your friends that might be able to use some practical advice and encouragement.
1: Well, good morning. Glad you're here with us this morning, and I um, hope you're enjoying the weather. Um... I actually like the weather, I love the cold and all that, so, but I'm glad you're here with us this morning. I know there's fewer of us here than are normal, but that's because maybe God's got something very special for each and every one of you today, I believe he does. He's got something for all of us today, and uh, you're not here by chance, you're here because God wants to, to speak to you today. Um, I hope some of you were able to enjoy the Christmas parades. How many people went out to the Christmas parades yesterday? How many participated in the Christmas parades yesterday? There? No, no, Girl Scouts? No? All right, well, glad you're all here, and I hope you enjoyed those. I was in Warrenton at a swim meet for my kids yesterday, and poor Jackson decided to do 150 meters instead of just 100, so he got disqualified, but it was cute watching him. So <laughs> he got out of the pool and did his thing. He's like, oh. Um, so he wondered why everybody was stopped, and he was still going. So... um Normally, I try to start off with a funny story that relates to the message and and those things and um, but today I've decided to uh, Try to do a little different. Um, I I, I'm a person that really loves history and um, And so as we're studying and that sounds pretty doesn't it? It sounds pretty but we know it's really not nice out there (laughs) Um, But that's so soothing Um, you know but I love, I love history, and I love, I love diving into the history of church and, and, and the religious beliefs of, of the people of, of ancient times. And, and so, as we're kind of studying, and as we're kind of finding our way to Bethlehem in the, in the midst of Bethlehem, in the midst of the chaos of our lives, I thought we'd dive into a little bit of the history of, of, of what's taking place during that time, and, and taking place into what the traditions of, of what, uh, what marriage was about um, at, at that, in those days. Um, Rich touched, touched a little bit on it last week, and I'm going to elaborate a little bit more on that as, as, we, as we journey, as we try to find Bethlehem today. You see, Christian tradition holds that Joseph was formally engaged to Mary when she found out that, that to be pregnant by the Holy Spirit. In those days, a betrothal Lord, uh, was more than today's private agreement between a man and a woman. That they will be wed. It was. It's much more than than when I got down on one knee and proposed to Jody, or going to Buddy and just asking for permission. You know, we kind of do that. That's kind of our tradition. But it was much deeper than that, and 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 that and, and uh, there was a, there was a higher standard to to the engagement than what we kind of tend to be take on as responsibilities. You see, during that time, this was this was a, at that time of betrothal, it was a time of a very a formal binding contract with specific rights. Um, and responsibilities joseph would have received the blessing to wed mary and they would be about this year-long engagement and we're thinking wow that's some people that like, get married just instantly um you know you get engaged and about three months later six months later you're having a wedding um, but see the reason there was a year-long time period was because joseph had to build a house See, Joseph, Joseph would, would, would get engaged, would, would make the arrangements with Mary's family, the arrangements would be made between the families, and Joseph would then go off. And he would go to back to probably his parents' home, and in the tradition of those countries, if you've traveled a, like a lot of in, um, South America and those countries, even in countries in, 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 the, in the Middle East, the, the tradition was is that the family stayed together, the, the husband's family stayed together, and that they would build upon top of the family's home. And so Joseph had to go and prepare a place. He had to go prepare a place for Mary. And, you know, the, the, depending on the time period, at least a year to build this, time, this place where they would go and live together. And so when the time would come that he was finished preparing for his home, he would then travel back to the home of Mary's parents, where Mary would be staying, to fetch his, for his bride. They would fi- formally bind their marriage and, and consummate their wedding marriage at her parents' house. Yeah, that's weird, but um, that's what they did and and then they would then a parade would happen into the feast. You know we think of the walking down the aisle and all that that happened after the, really the wedding had already taken place. There was already this wedding, and they were married in the eyes of God already, and they, they, then this this wedding feast they'd march out afterwards and and there and there was some more pomp and circumstance that I'll talk about later about the arrival of joseph into the into the town when when he was ready. to to claim his bride. Now, now when Mary turned up pregnant, Joseph would have been within his rights under the Jewish laws to have Mary charged with adultery and stoned to death. Instead, Instead, we know that he chose to marry her and accept legal responsibility for the child that she carried. In other words, Joseph's role as protector saved both as he took the role of protector, as we take the role of protector of his husbands, of our homes, that he saved both Mary and her unborn child from death under the Jewish law. In historical context, this was an unusual action on Joseph's part because Jewish people really kept strict to the laws of the, of, that were laid down by Moses. And and, and, and they, they really took strict uh, laws over the, the sexual relationships for the purpose of assuring their purity of their bloodlines in the Jewish tradition. The Gospel of Matthew says that Joseph struggled over what to do about Mary until an angel prompted him in his dream to go ahead with their marriage. See, last week, Rich kind of did a great job of explaining and sharing of us how to find Bethlehem in the midst of chaos and in the midst of bedlam when, when the unexpected things happen. You see, finding Bethlehem is, is about finding the hope that we was found lying in a manger it's about us finding hope despite the unexpected and this week it's about finding hope despite the shame and the regrets that we might be feeling today from our past and circumstances around us i want us to to step outside this the bible doesn't elaborate too much on this but joseph was human Joseph and Mary were human, and so a lot of the human emotions you and I feel when we when we face uh, things that have happened in our lives, I'm sure were very much the way they reacted and responded as well. So imagine with the hours that Joseph spent dealing with the news he just found out for Mary. Picture this. Here's Joseph. He's 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 excitingly preparing his home. He's working on the construction of what is soon to be his and Mary's home. When he gets word that Mary wanted to see him right away, it was very urgent. This isn't a usual request taking place here. You see, most of the time, during what we call the engagement process, the groom would not have very much contact with the bride. The bride would be waiting anxiously for the the return of her groom. She'd be waiting for the sounds of horns and clanging cymbals and, and that, announcing that her groom was on the horizon, getting ready to come and pick her up. So then she would quickly, she didn't have a wedding dress already picked out and those things, she would quickly get prepared for her husband's arrival. Getting all gather together and the women of the home would gather around her and get her all dressed up and ready to for the wedding feast and and all that was going to take place and so what had to be running through joseph's mind at that moment that he got word that mary wanted to see him when he arrived to the place where he was to meet mary he was filled with this excitement i'm seeing mary yet there's mary standing there kind of of pacing back and forth, back and forth, looking a little anxious, a little nervous. he, he approaches her now wondering what what could be going on thoughts, thoughts start racing through his mind could, could but nothing nothing could have prepared him for what was about to happen. It was worse than he could have ever imagined. When she greets Joseph, And then follows her greeting with these three words. I'm pregnant. Well, how could this be? They haven't been together yet. There's this 12-month period of engagement. What's going on? All these questions are going on around him. They have to be going through and time is passing. And according to law, this means that she's probably stepped outside of their marriage and that she should be stoned to death. We have two accounts of the Christmas story in the Bible. We have the, the account of, of Luke, which we read last week, and we're going to read again now, and then we'll come back to where Joseph hears of the news. So in Luke, um, uh, chapter 126, it says this, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, in a, town, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went with her and said, Greetings to you who are highly loved and favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and, and, and wondered what kind of greeting might that be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will call him Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the, the, the son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him a throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come to you, on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. She who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the servant, the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. She, she accepted it. She accepted what was taking place. So she had no shame. The Lord had called upon her. The Lord was calling upon her to, as a servant. And she was willfully answering and, and surrendering to that. And at the time Mary got ready, and hurried into a town on the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are the young women among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as, as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy Blessed is she who has believed in the Lord, would fulfill his promise to her. And Mary goes on and says, My soul glorifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, on all generations, all will be, generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who have poured poured in their utmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with, with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about 3 months and then returned home this is the account of, of Mary coming to understand what God is asking her to find out that she is going to be the the mother of Christ the son of God Emmanuel God is with us here we see that God sent his angel right to Mary to tell her of this great news and how God has chosen her. But Joseph, on the other hand, wasn't so fortunate in getting the news through an angel right away. He had to get the news first from Mary. And not only that, he had to then wrestle with this news for some time before God came to him in a dream, an angel came to him in a dream. Now let's take a look at what Joseph's account of, of, of learning in the pregnancy in the book of Matthew Matthew 1 18 says this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about his mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph but before they came together she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit but Joseph her husband was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace he had in mind to divorce her quietly and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until he, she gave birth to a son and gave him the name Jesus. Now, picking back up when Joseph hears those words, I am pregnant, what, what had to be racing through Joseph's mind? What could he have possibly been thinking? I mean, it had to be so much. I know if I was engaged to Jodi and she came to me and said that I'm pregnant before any of that could have taken place, I'd have lots of questions. And today, the world, I am sure, is, is there's possibly the same thing that happens. And I think to show you this story and illustration of this in today's language could be best illustrated like this. Here Until The Son of God Appears Facing. I mean, I'm sure he did face that. I'm sure he had friends that, that had a lot of questions and, and, and that he was he was worried about the shame that was was going to be upon Mary. We learn that in, in Matthew. It says there right there in the scripture, he was worried, so he wanted to divorce her quietly rather than have her stoned to death or anything like that. He wanted to do away with this marriage quietly, so not to bring upon more shame to her or to himself. I'm sure he, he had to have been thinking... When he heard those words, I'm pregnant, that she's cheated on me. Or, or, or asking in her mind, was she raped? Regardless, now his future with his bride to be was over, and shame was surely upon them. And according to the law, which Joseph was faithful to, he needed to end this marriage. He was righteous enough, though, to have not Mary stoned to death, but tried to divorce her quietly. Yet this can, this can take place, and God comes to Joseph in this dream. Before this would all take place, the angel comes to him in a dream and shares of his, his plans for both of them, and Joseph and Mary. When Joseph wakes up, he's still, he's still faced with a decision. He's still faced with a decision of, do I trust in what God's telling me? or do I not trust. Obviously he knew that others around him could see the progression of Mary's pregnancy and they would would know that she conceived a child before being officially wed. But in the end Joseph didn't care what others thought. After surrendering to God's will. As 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 the as the journey as, as the journey goes on and continues down down the road, we learn that 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 they still faced other obstacles. You see, there was shame that was that was that was being brought upon them by by their circumstances. You know, it, 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 I think it's so true that when Joseph heard of the news, and he's like, friends are asking him questions that instantly. 23 friends unfriended him on Facebook. Doesn't that happen in our lives when we have something that, that maybe is brought upon shame in our lives or our circumstances? Those that are closest to us, they end up turning away from us and unfriending us. And we feel all alone in our shame or our regret and our guilt. But yet Joseph was able to face his shame, the shame that was going on, and, and, and learned that it wasn't a shameful thing, but yet an awesome thing. He was going to be the father of God's son. He was going to accept responsibilities. And so he accepted and surrendered to that will. As the journey to Bethlehem continues months down the road, we read this in Luke, that in those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree with us that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinus was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up to the town, from the town of Nazareth in Galilee, to Judea, to Bethlehem, to the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. That's key that he belonged to the house and the line of David. And remember that the Jewish tradition was to very much re, for, to preserve the bloodlines of families and, and, and those things. And gonna, we'll come back to that in a moment. But when he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged, he was pledged to be married to him and was expecting child, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Now, I can only imagine how Joseph had to feel then when they first arrived in Bethlehem. Being a father, being a husband, I know what it's like when I can't provide adequately for my family. When I'm not able to, to give them what they deserve or, or how the life should be for them. And I, I, could, I, can, I can feel as a man sometimes that sense of shame of not being able to provide properly. He had just come from Nazareth, which was anywhere from about 80 to 100 miles, depending on which historical map you would, you'd like to follow. So they've been on this journey and, 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 and so we're trying to figure out how long did it take for them to travel. Well, some people would say four days, some people a little longer than a week. So she was quite far along in her pregnancy, Mary was. And and, and we wonder why would Mary be need to travel with Joseph? Because women didn't need to register. It was the man that needed to register unless... There wasn't a man in the family in the line of David to do so and you see that Mary does not talk about in the Bible Mary having brothers it talks about Mary having a sister And Mary would have been the oldest then in her home And so therefore she had to also to represent her home and her lineage in the line of David would have had to have gone to Bethlehem to register as well, and that's why she would have traveled with with Joseph it wouldn't have, she wouldn't have needed to travel being pregnant and if, that, if there wasn't that case, And the, 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 as, as history plays out. So here they are, they have to take this 80 mile or so journey to Bethlehem. It's said that the average person would have traveled with a caravan of people to protect themselves from thieves and wild animals on this journey. They would have walked and estimated, a caravan would have traveled about an estimated 20 miles a day. Now, taking into account Mary being pregnant, they say her and Joseph might have traveled only about 10 miles a day. And, and, and there was also the weather they would have had to have dealt with. They wouldn't have traveled in the hottest times, seasons of the year because it would have been too, too hot and tra- dangerous for, for all of them to travel. So that most likely they traveled, what historians would say, they would have traveled in the more cooler months of the year. So which means that the, the temperatures would have dropped. And they would have dealt with the cold and the weather, which would have been the rainy season. So the roads traveled to Bethlehem would not have been easy roads. Not only that, but they would have had to travel through an area known as Samaria, where the Samaritans and the Jewish people did not get along. So they would have taken not as much of a direct route, but a route trying to travel around as much of Samaria as they could have possibly traveled to get to Bethlehem. And so they had this long journey that took place. And Joseph's trying to provide and bring comfort to his wife and, and that. And so he's thinking once he arrives at Bethlehem, we're going to have a place that we can stay. And she'll be able to, if she delivers Jesus, then I'll have a nice place for her to get there. That, that She'll have comfort and peace. I mean, that's what I'd be thinking. I'd want to think that, you know, that I drive into a town, I'm going to be able to provide my family with a nice hotel, a swimming pool, the kids, all that. But yet, when he arrives in Bethlehem, there wasn't any room. There wasn't a place for them to stay. Joseph arrives at an inn, pleading with the innkeeper for a place for his wife to deliver the baby. See, Bethlehem, after all, wasn't this huge metropolis with all sorts of lodging facilities. This was most likely one of the only inns in Bethlehem. And you had all these people traveling in for the census. It was completely booked. All their places and spaces were filled because of Caesar and the census. The innkeeper finally said, okay, okay, uh, you, can, you can stay here. I've got a stable, if you like. After all, that's all I have left. What else was Joseph supposed to, to do but say yes? I mean, Mary was about to deliver a baby. I mean, at any moment, she was going to deliver the Messiah. And she couldn't deliver just out on the streets and nowhere. So, of course, Joseph was going to take that on. Now, I'm sure Joseph had to feel a little bit of shame with the delivery conditions as well. Because while we get these nice pictures of these well-manicured nativity scenes where they have camels and wise men and all them standing out there, most likely the stable was kind of maybe a cutout of a cave that, that was there. And they didn't have the camels that were there, but they probably had the donkeys and some cattle. And because of the time of the year it was, I'm sure that there, it was kind of muddy and gross if the rain season was going on. So the, not the greatest delivery conditions. I mean, how many people would want to deliver a baby in that? And then when the baby delivers, there's no place to lay the baby but in a manger, a feeding trough for the cattle and donkeys. So he had to feel a little bit of shame and regret that he didn't wasn't doing better as a husband, as, as better in living up to his expectations of being the provider and protector. And so I'm sure that he, he had this that he wasn't able to do better for Mary and this baby, but yet, once he looked into that baby's eyes, he had to again have these feelings of complete joy. As who this baby really was. He was the anointed one. He was the Messiah. He was Mary's son, Jesus. The Son of God you had taken favor over had taken favor over them both. And all these feelings of shame and regret had to disappear at the first glance of that little baby's eyes. The touch of that little baby's hands. At that sweet sound of that first cry. And we can't forget baby's feet. I love baby's feet. They're so cute and soft. But there was there. And this sense of shame had to have disappeared. Because he knew not only then as what has gone taking place. Is that he's been part of the fulfillment of what the prophets had said. He didn't have the shame in that. And he took on full responsibility for what God was calling him to do, was be the protector. And we would read on throughout the passage of the Christmas story into to him escaping two years down the road to, to Egypt to protect Jesus from Herod. So question, the questions I think we could ask ourselves about shame and regret is, is, where does the shame that you and I feel at times come from? I think one, it comes from not having the sense of, the sense of failure and not living up to what, what we feel is, is being expected of us. I, I think it comes from guilt or regret from things that we have done to ourselves or to others, such as uh, abuse, addictions, broken relationships, failure in the workplace, failure in our own lives and our marriages and our, our raising our children. It can come from the guilt or regret that, that, that we have taken on from what others have done to us. See, Joseph's shame in the beginning wasn't that of, of his own personal shame, but it was probably the shame he sensed and felt during the, when he first learned of Mary's pregnancy and the, that the embarrassment that this would have caused him. This would have caused him and, and, and then to Mary's family, the disgrace and dishonor. He would, have, he would have faced of, of being with her and her being with child before their, their marriage could be finalized. And, 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 and what, where does, what comes from shame and regret? When, when we're holding on to shame and feeling shameful about things in our lives or holding on to past regrets, what, what's to come of that? Well, first of all, we start to feel like we're a disgrace or we're dishonor. We've dishonored our families or, or or that. Secondly, we start to spin out of control with, with maybe scandal and that we're trying to cover up the truth because we don't want to have to deal with the reality of something that might have happened in our lives or in our past. Because then, thirdly, we don't want to deal with the humiliation of this. See, this is where I've been stuck over the past year of, of in my past of, of this piece of humiliation i didn't want to come to deal with some shame the deep deep embedded shame that i had been feeling in my life that was brought upon me not by anything that i had done but uh, the stuff that had happened to me i didn't want to share what was happening to me when i was a young child with my parents because i was embarrassed I didn't want to share with, with my mom and my dad, with my stepmother and my stepfather, the, the abuse that I was facing when visiting a neighbor. And the abuse that I was facing when certain babysitters came over. I felt shame. And I have buried that so deep, I never shared that. Because I didn't want to bring on humiliation about myself not feeling Worthy, feeling gross. And it was holding me prisoner. When we hold on to shame and regret, we're trapped. But this Christmas season, you can let go of shame and regret. You can let go of these things and finding not Bethlehem, but what is in Bethlehem. And what was in Bethlehem was the Messiah was the savior of the whole world to lift the shame and regrets of the world of our past to bring us hope you see Matthew 1 18 19 says this this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about his mother Mary was pledged to be married with Joseph but before they came together she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit because Joseph her husband was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace he had in the right mind to, to divorce her quietly you see he was afraid that when that there was the shame being brought upon them and this stuff and this dishonoring of her family and he didn't want to dishonor her or the family and wanted to do away with her quietly but yet he learned he learned how to deal with the shame and regret how do we learn to deal with our shame and regret we have to first we have to admit that which we feel shameful about We have to admit and take responsibility for what the shame that we're we're feeling shame or regret about or about the failures that we may have had. then we need to, secondly, we need to confront it. Confront it head on. The pain that, that, that we have to confront that pain so that we can become victorious, that we become the victor and no longer a victim to that which has taken place. And then we surrender it. We lay it down at the feet of our God, our Father. We lay it down in the manger, into the hands of Jesus. The baby, the hope of the world, the Messiah. Whose future was yet to be put on a cross so that his blood could wash away our shame and our guilt from our past. through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel did. He he admitted to himself what there might have been, what shame he might have been feeling in that, and he com- and he did what the Lord commanded him to do. He confronted it and accepted it, and then surrendered to God's will. And when we can do that, when we can deal with the shame or regret, we experience freedom. We experience complete freedom. Galatians 1.5 says this, to stand strong in our, for our freedom, the anointed one, Jesus, freed us. So we could, wouldn't spend one more day under the yoke of slavery, trapped under the law. The yoke of slavery, the yoke that has been put on us by circumstances, by things that have happened in our lives are these yokes. You know, the yoke was that, what, what what the oxen would wear so that you could control the, the them through the fields and that. And sometimes when we're wearing a yoke of shame or regret, that shame or regret is what's controlling us. But yet we can have freedom from that. Because... The anointed one, the Messiah, Jesus came to free us from that. In John 8:32, we hear Jesus saying, If you hear my voice and abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will give you freedom. And he goes on in John 14:16, it says, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the Life, no one comes to the Father except through me. You see, Jesus was the truth. That baby lying in the manger was the truth of the world, the way to, to hope and freedom. The way to hope and freedom to, from the bondage of your shame and your past regrets and failures comes through Jesus. You know, over this past year, God has revealed to me some wonderful, wonderful things. The beginning of this year, if you can if you've been here, you can remember back to a message that we started the year off with, and it was a message about getting the junk out and Gay was speaking and delivering the message and she asked for Kelly and Buddy and myself to come up on stage and we all looked kind of tough by trying to do push-ups and saying we're gonna get in shape and all that. I'm getting in shape more round no. It wasn't about that type of shape. It was about getting in spiritual shape and mental shape. And Gay challenged me to take a look inside myself with God's help to get the junk out. She challenged me to pray every day, and I've prayed nearly every day since that challenge for four specific things. I go down to my knees and I pray, and I pray this. Lord, I surrender this day over to your will and not my own. Secondly, Father, please anoint me with your Holy Spirit so that I have strength to do your will and to share your love with others. And then search my heart, Lord. Show me the wounds and the hurts and the shame and regrets that I need to deal with in my life so that I can find complete healing. And because we're human and God's given us this wonderful Blessing of free will, when we use it properly, I finish my prayer by saying this, capture my thoughts today, Lord, so that I may only focus and think of those things which you will bring you glory, and about your blessings on my life and the life of my family. And you know, this gets hard for me, but after almost 11 months of that, God's done something truly amazing in my life. I've learned over the past few weeks to be fully alive in him because I was able to admit some deep wounds. I was able to confront some deep shame and regrets and to stop being the victim of my past. I then confronted my wounds head on and then surrendered it all into my father's hands because of what I have started because of that. Because of this. Because of not holding on to shame or regret anymore. I've been able to restore a relationship with my earthly father. And my dad and I are working on our relationship now. He wasn't the one that abused me, so don't think that, and that's why we had this strained relationship. There was abuse that was going on outside of our home that they had no idea about. And they're still just learning of because I'm able to come to terms with it and not feel shameful in sharing it anymore. But yet I held that against them. I held that against him. But when I surrendered this at the feet at the feet of my heavenly Father, all shame and regret has gone. You know it was three weeks ago, tomorrow and probably four weeks tomorrow tomorrow, that in this prayer time that I've been committed to every nearly every day, that God spoke to me. And He told me in my prayer time that I needed to call my dad. I hadn't talked to my dad in six years. And when I called him, I was to tell him that I loved him. And I wanted every way out of that conversation. I didn't want to make that call because there are other hurts and pains that were there and I didn't want to open those. But I knew I had to be obedient, just as Joseph was obedient to what God was telling him to do. And I called him. And when I thought those words that I love you would come across the phone, I thought they were just gonna be words like I'm talking to you. And no feeling behind him, but God's Spirit overcame me in those moments and when I said that I loved him I truly felt love towards my dad I truly sensed God's love over me and him and we were able to have a wonderful conversation and everything's not better But boy, it started in the right path. And I've been fully alive. I've been fully alive because I've been willing to be fully in with God and surrendering and not holding on to the past shame and regret. It's been a restoring year for my family, with my parents. My mom watches every Sunday online. Lives in Illinois. She accepted Christ online as her Savior. And I have to say, that's got to be because I've been willing to be obedient to God, that He's bringing upon blessings. And God wants that for you too. He wants us to let go of the past hurts and shame and the guilt and the past failures and experience freedom this Christmas like never before. And to find the hope in your freedom in lying in the manger in Bethlehem. Amidst all the bedlam that's going on around us, amidst all the chaos of this world, he wants us to find and experience true freedom and joy. I I have to add into this, you know what? Ben's advance this year, well, we tackled these father issues right on. And I was sharing in my small group, and I, I... I had to wonder if I was going to feel regret if something would have happened to my dad. And I didn't say that I loved him. And At first I had these bitter feelings there and I said, no, I'm not going to. But I'll tell you what, I knew I would have. And God freed me from that so I don't ever have to have that regret. I'm excited to see what God's going to do because he's freed us from the shame. He's freed me from shame and regrets and where I might feel like I failed. I'm no longer a victim, but a victor. You too can face this, this Christmas. Lay down your regrets and shame and see yourself like our Father in heaven sees us and sees you. See, he looks beyond the hurt. He looks beyond the pain and the past failures. He looks beyond our addictions, our abuse, our broken relationships. He looks beyond all those things. And he looks at the heart and soul of you and sees that he created you. And he wants you to have freedom. And he wants you to experience life to the fullest. And he's he's in love with you. He's in love with me. Yes, people on this earth are going to fail us he's never going to fail us. And if we're obedient to him, he's going to show us how to live beyond our shame and to overcome shame and regret. You see, he did this when we lay at his feet. He washes it all away with the blood of his son, Jesus. He's just waiting for you to lay it down. So as the band comes and sings this next song, I ask that we search our hearts and admit confront and surrender the shame and regrets of guilt and failure today. Maybe you need to do this today by, by kneeling at your seat or just praying in your seat and that's that's perfectly okay. Maybe it takes confronting it a little bit more by kneeling up here and so i invite you to come up and kneel at the stage to lay it down and to show the symbolism of you laying it down at your father's feet. You know, kneeling in prayer to me, is learn, I've learned something great because this thing that Gay has asked us to do when I first did it was about kneeling in prayer. And I thought, wow, why would I need to do that? I can pray perfectly just sitting in my seat. But I went on a walk later that day after the first day, I learned that it's about surrender. It's about a position of surrender before God our Father so that he can do what he did 11 months later after I started this journey to bring me freedom. So maybe you can kneel at your seat. You can kneel here at the church. You just kneel and lay it down at the feet of God. You're watching with us online. Kneel at your computer or your couch or wherever you're watching and lay down the shame and regrets today. God wants you to have freedom this Christmas. He wants you to overcome those things. You see, I have the father that is crazy in love with you and wants you to find the hope that we find that was born in, in Bethlehem. The band is going to sing and then I'm going to close us in prayer and then Buddy will come up and dismiss you. So I ask that just in this next moment, just everyone stay in this room and experience God's warmth and welcome and worship in him today. Let's continue to worship this morning.
0: If you are a new Christian and would like to know what to do next or where to go from here, you will want to get a free Next Step packet that contains reading materials and useful resources that will point you in the right direction. For more information, please contact Salem Fields Community Church at 540-786-6212 or visit our website at salemfields.com or email us at podcast at salemfields.com.